Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. Resistance creates conflict. You're fighting with what is. You're fighting with reality. That's good in certain circumstances, but I have no option but to accept it. And when you do make that step of acceptance, then the conflict fades away, the duality fades away, and there's a sense of oneness and a sense of harmony. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, Welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, welcome back. Today, I interview Dr. Stephen Taylor, who's a professor of psychology and a transpersonal psychologist. And his latest book called Extraordinary Awakenings really goes into what happens when we experience a trauma and how often that trauma can be transformed into something beautiful, into something positive. So when we talked about his truth, he really went into his own personal story of acceptance and really the power of acceptance and told us an example of how that worked in his life. We discussed the three steps of how you actually transform trauma into truth. And those three steps are acknowledgement, exploration, and acceptance. And so we go into more detail about exactly how to do that. And then lastly, we went into, uh, we talked about the triggers for awakening experiences. And what that means is what are the types of things that happen to people that make them have these, these awakenings? Now, it may not be a trauma. It could be several other things. But the discussion we had was about how you can actually put yourself consciously in those situations in order to grow. And that is basically it. It was a great episode. Uh, the theme was definitely about acceptance. And that's what we're going to get into. So close your eyes and open your ears. And let's do it. Good people. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Prescription Podcast. I am your humble host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, mindset coach and life strategist. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Mr. Well, actually, Dr. Stephen Taylor. Hey, Stephen. Hey, Sekou. Great to be with you. Good to see you. Stephen is a professor of psychology at Leeds Beckett University. He contributed to Psychology Today and Scientific American, and he's an, quite the prolific author, author of 13 books. His most recent book is titled Extraordinary Awakenings, subtitled When Trauma Leads to Transformation. So I love that. I'm actually finishing up a book called From Victim to Victor a physician's journey to healing. And it talks about some of the the traumatic things that I have 
encountered in my sort of journey to flip that idea of victimhood to an idea of victoryhood, if that's a word. It's not really a word, but <laughs> right. That sounds great. Why not? Uh, yeah, can be a word. Yeah. So, Stephen, uh, let's jump right in. My show, and we're now in our fifth season, answers that very simple but not so simple question of what is the truth that you've been ignoring your whole life? And that if you embraced it, would create a massive breakthrough. So tell me about something in your life. Uh, tell us a story that was either a situation or something that you had to deal with where there was a truth that you either ignored or you just weren't aware of. And once you accepted it, the floodgates opened and you were able to start walking on your path of truth. For me, uh, there was an experience I had about 20 years ago. What happened was that one morning I was sitting in my flat meditating. Okay. And suddenly a strange sort of shrieking, whistling noise started in my ear as if somebody had pressed a button. It was really loud and really disturbing, you know, this sort of screeching, incessant screeching noise. And uh, I thought, what's that? You know, I, I had to stop meditating straight away. It continued for the rest of the day. It was there the next day. And after a few days, I, th I started to think, wow, maybe this noise is going to be there all the time now. It made my life really difficult, you know, and, and, and I realized after a while that I had tinnitus. And it, probably because when I was younger, I was a musician playing in bands. And you know, obviously there was a lot of noise, a lot of loud drums. What type so of instrument did you play? I played the bass. Nice. Uh, electric bass? Electric bass, yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So I was always sort of standing next to the drum kit. So I must have got a lot of the drum set. So I must have got a lot of noise in my ear. It must have destroyed my, my eardrum or something <laughs> like that. But it made my life really difficult for months and months because, um, you know, it was always there. I couldn't get away from the noise. I used to love to meditate. I felt like I couldn't meditate anymore. I felt like I had lost silence. You know, silence was gone from my life. So I became obsessed with background noise. I always had to have background noise. When I went to bed, I'd have to tune the radio between the stations to create white noise. So that you wouldn't hear that loud screeching. Exactly. So it would, so it would blot out or block out the screeching. And it wasn't very nice for my wife because she had to listen to the white noise, you know. <laughs> you know, I became quite depressed about it. And after 18 months, I thought, this can't go on. You know, I've got to do something about this. I tried various kinds of treatment, but nothing worked. I went to see specialists. Nothing was helping. So I thought, you know, I've, I've got to try to accept this. I've got to face it. I realized that I was trying to escape the noise. You know, my life was like a battle to escape the noise. And I realized that I had to face it. So I went to bed one night and I turned the radio off and I just decided to face the noise. And it was really horrible. It was kind of overwhelming, just screeching noise. But I decided to go into it rather than try to escape it. So I accepted the noise and I went into it. And I found, to my surprise, that when I went into it, it wasn't as painful or as distressing as I expected. So I thought, mm, that wasn't too bad. So I did it the same again the next night, same again the next night. And after a few days, I realized that the noise wasn't disturbing me anymore. It was there. It was part of my reality, but it wasn't disturbing me. And it was a big shift. It was a shift in my entire, in my life. Because, you know, I, I shifted from a mode of resistance to a mode of acceptance. I realized after that, that acceptance was the quality that I could apply to any area of my life. And I mean, I can, st I can still hear the noise right now. It's always there. 
But it, it, is, it has never disturbed me since then because I have accepted it. So for me, that was a lesson in the, in the power of acceptance, which I've, I have always practiced ever since. Right. Resistance versus acceptance. Yeah. It, it made me realize that resistance creates conflict. You're fighting with what is. You're fighting with reality. And that's, that's good in certain circumstances. But if you can't change it, you know, I couldn't change, can't change the noise in my ear. So I have no option but to accept it. And when you do make that step of acceptance, then the conflict fades away, the duality fades away, and there's a sense of oneness and a sense of harmony. Imagine what happens when people are resisting life itself. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I think some people do. When the sound, it's, the sound is actually life. That's so interesting. It's beautiful that you said that you actually still have them. You still can appreciate the noise, but it doesn't bother you as much. I know we're going to get into this idea of uh, acceptance a little bit later because it's one of your tenets to transforming trauma. But I wanted to just give a, a background. You're a, a professor of what's called transpersonal psychology, and I had never heard of it before I started doing my background research on you. Tell the people a little bit about what transpersonal psychology is. It's basically spiritual psychology. It's the study of spiritual experiences, transformational experiences, the study of higher states of consciousness, altered states of consciousness. It's the point where Eastern philosophy, Eastern spiritual philosophy merges with Western psychology. Mm. So that, that's really what it is. It, it's an attempt to integrate Eastern spiritual philosophy with Western psychology. I understand. Okay. All right. So... Shifting over a little bit, I want to talk about trauma. Obviously, I mean, I could run down all the statistics, but a large percentage of the global population has interfaced with trauma, you know, either as a someone who is, I don't really like the word victim, but I'll say someone who was the recipient of a traumatic experience or someone who is close to someone who's the recipient of a tra traumatic experience, which can be just as traumatic. Um, I was talking to a a friend of mine yesterday who was telling me he moved to this um, town in Georgia and within a week of being there, his daughter was raped. I mean, this is horrible, right? His teenage daughter. And so he also is going through a trauma. So we've all, you know, yeah. have gone through traumas. And I know that this is, this is something that you study and your newest book is really about breaking down how you can take trauma and transform it into something beautiful. So tell, tell the listeners a little bit about the three steps, you know, your acknowledgement, exploration, acceptance, those three steps and um, how they can use them you know, to, to, to help to start to heal. It's well known that trauma potentially has transformational effects. You know, there's a phenomenon in psychology called post-traumatic growth. And in a research suggests that probably between a third and a half of people go through traumatic experiences and then undergo some kind of positive personal development. In my book, I investigate some very dramatic cases of that where people shift into a different identity. They undergo a kind of spiritual awakening as a result of trauma. But as you say, you know, we all go through trauma, but not everybody experiences that growth or that transformation. So there are, there are some reasons why some people do experience it but, and others don't. But and partly it depends on the way you respond to your trauma. The first step is acknowledging your predicament. I have this concept which I call the avoidance impulse. Mm -hmm. You know, he, human beings were primed not to 
We're primed to try to avoid suffering and pain. Right. I call it the Heisman. You know, the Heisman Trophy? When, when, uh, yeah, no, I the, don't know. What's the Heisman, the Heisman Trophy? So the Heisman Trophy is a trophy that's given to the top college football player in, in the U.S. But the statue is a, is a statue of a guy, a football player with his arms outstretched to like sort of push away a defender or, or someone coming to him. And so that, that's the visual I have for, to your point, um, how a lot of us interact with our, our pain and our fears. We just kind of, you stay over there and I, I've done it too, right? In my own work, you stay over there and I'll be over here. <laughs> so yeah. continue the Heisman. Yeah. yeah, it's entirely natural. Yeah. But it means that you won't experience post-traumatic growth. Right. Because it depends on, first of all, acknowledging, facing up to the reality and the enormity of your situation. You know, even if, for example, if you're diagnosed with cancer, it's very painful, it's very distressing, but you have to acknowledge the reality of the situation. You have to contemplate the fact that you may die soon, that you're pe the people you may, um, the people you may be separated from the people you love right. will go through bereavement and so forth. So that's the first stage, you know, acknowledging the reality of your predicament. Or accepting, right? It's also acceptance. Yeah, acceptance. Well, in, in my model, the second stage is exploring your emotions and thoughts. Because a lot of human beings find it difficult to explore their own being because we're just not used to it. You know, we're conditioned to live externally. We're conditioned to live lives of activity and distraction. So a lot of people are just not used to, you know, going into themselves and looking at their own feelings and thoughts, exploring their own being. But that's really important to take the stage of going inside yourself. When you said exploration, it made me think about some of the energy work that I've done. And also sometimes I do with clients where, you know, when you're having a pain you, or you're having an emotional reaction, you, so, and I'm sure you, you know this, you sort of identify where in my body am I actually feeling this? Even just that step is really important to sort of getting closer, getting closer to it and, and, and interfacing with it and having an opportunity to transform it. But go ahead. That's right. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Again, it's the avoidance impulse, which is to shy away from the pain, to resist the pain. But it's actually much more beneficial to go towards the pain, to find the source and to merge with the pain. Yeah. And as you go towards it and merge with it, then it begins to dissipate. It becomes softer, whether it's physical or emotional pain, it, it starts to become softer and it sort of spreads rather than, be, rather than being concentrated at one point, it spreads. I like your description of, of softer. That's a great, it's a great descriptive of that process of it. Something being so overwhelming. It's almost like that sound that you've been hearing in your ear. It doesn't necessarily go away, but it just becomes less aggressive. <laughs> You know, if you will. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes, uh, it loses the power to disturb you right, because you've yeah. accepted it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that, that, the third stage of my process is acceptance. I mean, acceptance isn't really something that you do. It's something that you stop doing. It means you stop resisting because it, it always takes an effort to resist. Resistance is an active principle. So you let go, you stop resisting. And suddenly there's a, there's a sense of liberation, a sense of freedom. Partly because all of the energy you've put into resistance is released and it sort of runs through, flows through you again. And, and then there's a feeling of openness because you're no longer creating a duality between you and your situation. There is a sense of oneness between you and your situation. So it's a kind of surrender and a letting go. You know, in a lot of the cases in my book, transformation occurred 
at the exact moment when they let go of their resistance, when they shifted into a mode of acceptance. That was the, the alchemical moment, if you like, when transformation occurred. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a really nice segue to my next topic, which is really talking about those triggers that lead, often lead people to awakenings. You list a bunch of them, but yeah, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about those triggers because I think it's funny, like, I think sometimes we do things like, you know, you mentioned um, Eckhart Tolle and his book, The Power of Now, which I read 15 years ago, and it's it's just as powerful then as it is now. But sometimes we read things and we sort of stumble upon these awakenings, right? We, 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 we have, mm-hmm. It's like almost by happenstance. But since you've done the research, the, the listeners can actually, you know, if you name a few, then you can proactively sort of put yourself in those situations to potentially have an, a, an awakening to lead you along that path to healing. That's right. I think most awakenings occur in a gradual, progressive way through spiritual practices of some form, such as, you know, engaging in a particular path, such as the, the eightfold path of Buddhism or the path of Taoism or yoga or whatever. Or it can be just a, a lifestyle that you choose. I've, I've met people who don't know anything about spiritual paths and practices, but they've still gone through a process of awakening because they live a life of service. You know, they, they work, they're involved in a charity or they work with animals. You know, I actually met a woman who was an air stewardess. And she said that spending 20 years as an air stewardess had been a spiritual path because it is a constant service, you know. And it's also a constant role in which you are attentive. You have to be continually attentive. So a combination of the practice of attention and service can also be a spiritual practice, whether you know it or not. I also met a guy who, who spent three years working as a groom uh, with horses. And he realized later that that had been a spiritual practice for him because it's, again, it's, uh, it's a role of service and attention. So yeah, gradual spiritual awakening is probably the most common form. There are lots of spiritual practices which can form a path, you know, such as service, as I've mentioned, meditation. Also contact with nature is a spiritual practice. You mentioned, um, which obviously none of us want to have, but you mentioned like near-death experiences as you know sort of in that in those moments something happens to our image our ego where we know that everything's about to be over and so you know we we might as well get some clarity in in the few seconds we have left and in those moments people if they survive they often do change right that's right yeah a sudden encounter with death is also a powerful, right? Powerful, a powerful strategy, <laughs> which we're not recommending, <laughs> listeners. We're not no, recommending. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. It's not a workshop. <laughs> but um, no, obviously, yeah, it has to be accidental. Although I sometimes think when people engage in like extreme sports, you know, like uh, bungee jumping, paragliding, and so on, they're sometimes trying to stage an encounter with mortality in order to get that kind of awakening impact. But yeah, it often happens with people who are diagnosed with cancer. One person I spoke to, she said that she was diagnosed with cancer and it was the first time that death had been a reality to her. So the sudden awareness of the fragility and the preciousness of life can be a sudden jolt that can bring you into spiritual awakening. Suddenly the world is beautiful because it's so temporary and so fragile. Suddenly other people are incredibly valuable because they are temporary 
and fragile. So there's a sudden shift. Everything becomes more real and more beautiful. And, and that can happen, you know, not just with encounters with mortality. It can happen under any situation of intense turmoil and trauma. Are you familiar with Tim Ferriss? Tim Ferriss, I know the name. He wrote the book, The 4-Hour Body, 4-Hour Workweek. You like some of the things he talks about, but I'm only bringing him up because um, in line with what we're talking about, he's talked about experiences that he's heard about, wink, wink, with psilocybin or ayahuasca and how, you know, similarly, these expansions in awareness can create some awakenings, right, for some people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've met people who've had those experiences. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> you know them, but you don't know what that that's like. I, I know. I yeah, right, yeah. Right. Some, don't don't don't, don't ask. Don't tell. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Let, let's not comment further on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But yeah. I mean, um, I guess any situation, any sudden accident can have a similar situation. I've met people who've had car accidents and they've been jolted into a different state of consciousness. It often happens in soldiers. I, I interviewed a lot of soldiers who'd undergone a sudden shift in consciousness on the battlefield, you know, in the midst of the, the stress and terror of, of, of warfare. Prisoners too, I'm, I've interviewed quite a few prisoners who've had similar experiences. So it can happen in any situation really when, you know, when life becomes, is threatened. Right, life's threatened and becomes fragile. Okay, got it. So again, disclaimer, we're not telling you to... Uh take magic mushrooms or jump out of a plane. Uh, we're, we're really focusing on what we said in the beginning about, I'll call them chronic spiritual uh, practices over time will lead yeah. to forms of awakening and forms of healing. So I think, yeah. I think that's, that's important. I do a lot of, um, with uh, business owners and professionals, a lot of mindset work and um, strategy. And I do a lot of mindfulness practices with them as well, just trying to help them get into their body because- as you know, being a PhD, being an intellectual is a gift and a curse because, you know, we, we have so much programmed information that it's difficult to sometimes connect with who we really are and what we really are. Yeah, there's a da the danger of becoming disembodied. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let's jump into a, a new uh, section that I've uh, been playing around with the last, these last couple episodes. I've yet to name it, but uh, today I named it. It's, co it's called the one word mouthful. What I'm going to do is give you one word. You give me back one word. So the first thing that comes to your mind when I say a particular thing, and we go from there. All right, ready? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's, let's, have, let's have some fun with it. Okay. Uh, number one. Mindfulness. Meditation. Number two. Poetry. Uh, prose. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying the opposite. No, not the opposite. <laughs> Number three. Spirit. Enlivening. Mm. Number four. Eker Toll. Enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. This is actually two words. Spiritual science. Great book. Great book. Okay. <laughs> that's one of that's one of uh one of Stephen's books. Next word, resistance. Acceptance. Mm. The heart. And soul. Mm. Nature. Beauty. Trauma. Transformation. And the last word, or well, words. Steve Taylor. 
<laughs> wow. Um, he's actually a Christian rock star in America. <laughs> That's another Steve Taylor. Steven Taylor. Dr. Steven Taylor. Dr. Steven Taylor. Um, One word. <laughs> I'm very tickled by this, by the way. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm English, so, you know, I'm quite modest and self-effacing. So. <laughs> is, is, is that your one word, modest? Uh, self-effacing. Self-effacing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. <laughs> That's all I've got, Stephen. Thank you so much. How can the people connect with you and find out about your books and what you're doing? The best place to go is my website, which is stephenmtaylor.com. That's Stephen with a V, M for Mark, stephenmtaylor.com. Perfect. All right, Stephen. Thank you so much. I don't know. It just came to my, into my mind. Here's to transformation. Yeah, right. Because yeah. this episode that's was great. really about transformation, but really acceptance. So that's that's really, I think, the main message that I like folks to to uh, to get from this from from your from our conversation is stop resisting, just accept. Yeah, I think acceptance leads to transformation. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to sign out as I always do. The truth will set you free if you let it. <laughs>